most of you know, you visitors might not know, that, that, that I'm not much of what a good Kentucky Southern Baptist would call a hellfire and brimstone preacher, all right? No, nobody would categorize me uh, uh, there. I am unafraid. I am unafraid to speak on the topic of salvation. I am unafraid to speak on the topic of heaven and of hell. I am just not of the mindset after 30 years of evangelism that I want to stand at the pearly gates with Jesus with a whole bunch of people that I scared into the kingdom, right? <laughs> that's, just, that's just not what I want, right, right, right? Right, right. Do I want everyone to know Jesus? I do. But I want you to choose Jesus uh, and not, not choose hell. Right? Right? But if when these things, like money, if when these things, like sex, if when these things that sometimes we're afraid to talk about in big church come up in the scriptures and I don't address them, then I am the one at fault. So you guys who know me know full well, if we're reading through it and it's in there, whether it is, it is uh, hard for me last week or not, we're going to plow right through them. We're not going to skip over them, okay? And so this story, um, um, some people are like, ooh, I really like that because it's kind of like uh, karma. It's kind of like uh, yin and yang. It's kind of like we get what we deserve, and I, I like that, but that's not really the truth in, in the story. Others are like, hey, this is when you get a chance to make sure that everybody walks down the aisle and gets saved, and uh, yes, and, and no, I just want to read the scripture and I want to look through it and I want to talk you through some things that we perceive versus things that are actually real. Some things that we ought know versus things we might not ought to believe. Okay, so let's get with it. All right. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate, all right, the gate of his home, he was a very rich man, laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side or what we know as Abraham's bosom, the rich man also died and was buried. Two men lived, two men died. In Hades, in hell, in the Greek word is Gehenna, Gehenna, all right, in Gehenna, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away. There was a great chasm is the way the King James puts it. There was a great chasm, a great divide. And he saw Abraham and Lazarus, the poor man, by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember in your lifetime you got good things. Lazarus received bad things. But now he is in comfort here. And you are in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you is a great chasm, is a 
huge distance. And it has been set in place. It is not an accident. So that those who want to go from here to there cannot, nor can anyone cross from there to here. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. I want to read this again. I want to read this again because, church, this needs to, this needs to settle. This needs to land, okay? I need this, these words. Holy Spirit, help these words land on the hearts of me and the people. Listen close. He said, I beg you. I beg you. Send Lazarus to my brothers. Send him. Send the beggar they saw when they ate at my home and ignored. Send him so that he will tell them of this place so they won't end up here. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen. No, Father Abraham, if someone from the dead goes back, they will repent. If someone from the dead goes, if, if they could see, he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Man, there's a lot in there, people. <laughs> if they don't believe now, they're not gonna believe. We'll, we'll get there, all right? So, this is beyond any shadow of a doubt, a story about heaven, the place where people who reside in God go, and hell, the place where people without God go. Forget geography, all right? You and I both know that at times in your lives, we've all thought hell is most like the, the molten lava core of the center of the earth, all right, down, right? And heaven is in the beauty and splendor of the skies. And there's some uh, geographically uh, laid out wall or divide or space in between. Forget geography. Heaven and hell don't have anything to do with geography, okay? Not location or, or location. Just throw that out of your mind. But wherever they are geographically, there is absolutely a space between. And no man can cross over. There was a tombstone that had an epitaph on it, right? And here's what it said. Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you shall be. Prepare for death and follow me. And someone had come along and scribbled on the tombstone. <laughs> to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. 
True story, right? True story, right? I want to break down the text a little bit. And then I just simply want to leave you with some thoughts. They have actually given the rich man a, a, a name. Some of you have heard the name Dives or Dives, D-I-V-E-H. The rich man, or Dives and Lazarus, okay? And, and, and that, is, that is unnecessary uh, because Jesus doesn't actually give us a name for this person. And, and that's kind of important. He does not name him, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Dives is actually uh, 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 a, 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 a Hebrew word for rich. It's not a name at all. He's saying the rich man, richy rich, right? Okay, that's all he's saying. What we know about this man, you ready, is material. That's the point Jesus is making. And let me say, it is Jesus telling the story, and the story is, in fact, a parable. A parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It is, it is a made-up tale. People question whether or not this is actually a parable at times because it's the only place in a parable in the Bible where someone is named. But that is also important. He does not name the rich man, and it is important that he does not. He classifies the rich man as rich, as having, as storing up for himself, as taking care of himself, as concerned with the material, right? Okay, that is what we know about the rich man. The purple, the fine linen, lived in luxury, ate from, 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 from beautiful things, right? At his gate was laid a beggar, the only time he named someone in a parable named Lazarus, okay? Why is this important? Because it's not about the name Lazarus. It's not about um, um, Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Not the same. Lazarus means my God helps me. The name of the guy is important because it means the Lord is my help the God of my help. So though poor, though laid at the gate, though covered in sores, though yearning to have the food from the table of the rich man, Lazarus is an individual who believes in a God who is his helper. Even in his, his awful state, God is my help is literally his name, what he is called and that is incredibly important because this story is not about rich or poor. It's not about karma. If you are rich on this earth, you don't get anything in the next life. If you are poor on this earth, you get everything in the next life. This isn't about checks and balances. It is checks and balances that make our belief system incredibly difficult. It's what we struggle with in Bible studies. It's what we struggle with in small groups. It's what we struggle with from the pulpit. We talk about, hey, does, does Jeffrey Dahmer end up in heaven? Why did the thief on the cross end up in heaven why do good things happen to bad people it ought to be this way it, 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 you know doesn't matter stop doesn't matter one put everything in material gain things of this world the other god is my helper there's the contrast between the two individuals
because this absolutely is a parable, the things that we read next, they're not figurative. They're also technically not literal, okay? If, 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 if uh, there are some folks, we've, we've had some, uh, some of us have had terrible experiences over, over the last uh, few days, weeks, all right? Even in this room, there are people who are struggling with things that have happened. And they might use the phrase like, this really shook me up. I'm shaken. Now, does that literally mean that you have jumped inside a blender and been shaken? Does it literally mean that somebody took you and shook you and your, you know, your intestines and all of, all of your insides are just all mixed up? No. You know exactly what it means. It means you've been in emotional turmoil, right? Right? So, so we have to look at some of this that way. Okay? Longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Just so you know, what this would involve is um, they didn't do forks, spoons, napkins, that kind of thing. Back in the day, they ate with their hands. And when they needed to get things off their hands, they would grab bread. And they would use it to wipe things off like we sop up gravy, right? And then those things were put aside, cast out like we would a paper napkin. And then on the way out the door, they were tossed by the gate side. And that, basically people's cleanup, is what the beggars were, were waiting for, okay? And the dogs came and they licked his sore. This is a horrible portrayal of, of what, 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 what we want to understand, all right? We don't, we don't want to think about this, but this is exactly what went on. Both of these things also hearken us to what Gehenna was in the New Testament. Gehenna was a place just outside the city where all of the trash and all of the garbage was, was dumped, okay? And, and it was then burned, okay? And so it was, it was known for its, its dark, its gray, its horrible smell, the burning fires, the dogs, the, the, the stray dogs that would run through there trying to get scraps of anything that they could and still survive the flames, okay? So it was a real location. It was the trash pile. It was the burning heap, all right? And so this uh, gives them that picture of something they would have already known. The beggar was taken to Abraham's bosom. Let me, let me be clear, all right? Abraham's bosom, to the best of my study and knowledge, is not a place, okay? Imagine um, uh, a, 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 a child uh, being held next to uh, the, the mother's bosom, okay? In the arms of, okay? So the beggar ended up where Abraham was, in the arms of Abraham. He is near him. Father Abraham, the father of many nations, where Abraham is, the beggar is also. Okay? The rich man was died and was buried in Gehenna, where he was in torment. Listen to me. That's the first thing we need to understand. In Gehenna, in hell, there is nothing but torment. Now, this is the only place in all of scripture where Jesus pulls back the curtain, okay? And actually lets us see something that we don't get to see anywhere else, okay? He says, 
take a look at what this is going to be like. Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the guys that just scoffed at him about money. He's talking to people who have all of the head knowledge, okay, but are with Jesus, follow Jesus, saw the, ah, this is important, saw the feeding of the 5,000, saw the, 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 the storms be calm, the kids get healed. They've watched Jesus do all these things, and all they've done is gotten angrier and angrier. All they've done is tried more and more and more to collaborate together to kill Jesus. And so Jesus is really having a throwdown here. He pulls back the curtain and he says, those who believe that you do not get there in your own way, with your own talent, with your own money, with your own time and believe in me, they're going to end up one place. Those who rely on themselves are going to end up in another In torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he recognizes that he is in torment and Lazarus is not. And we get some descriptions of his torment, all right? We know that I am in agony because of the fire. Now, do I know if there is literal fire there? I do not. I am not ready to commit that there is literal fire, okay? And I'm not ready to not commit. Here's what I am certain of. Burning. Maybe not physical, maybe physical, but I am certain of emotional burning. You, you ever had something that, that raged up in you and you got so mad and then more mad and then it got more and in the depths of yourself, the rage burned within you, all right? Imagine all hope, all love, all peace, all joy, all patience, all kindness. Imagine everything good vacuumed away. Just gone, no, no hint of it anywhere. All light, gone. And hopelessness. If you, without hope, hopeless. Without love, hate. Without patience, impatience. With, without all the things you have, only you exist in a place where there is only the opposite. He is literally tormented with all of the evil that you can imagine and there is no relief from it that's he's not just asking for water he's asking for a, a, a millisecond of relief he says I'm not asking you to send Abraham to dump water on me I'm not asking for a hose would you just let him dip his finger in a cup and touch the tip of my tongue he's looking for an ounce of relief from e eternal torment a torment that in the depths of him burns in a way that we can't fathom and never ever ends remember in your life when you had every opportunity to listen to Moses and the prophets. You had every opportunity to, to work things for good instead of working things for self. Lazarus. Lazarus knew from where his help came. 
and you did not. And now he is comforted and you are in literal agony. Now, I, I, I was reading this, and I've actually had people say this. Well, at least, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to end up in hell, I'll, I'll have company. Well, yes and no. Yes, there will be others. No, you won't see them. You won't comprehend them. You won't be with them. They say that it's just, there is another description, a weeping and gnashing of teeth is another description of hell. So imagine when the torment gets so great that you cannot help but cry out. And then the torment stays. So you're crying out in fear and agony and, 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 and is eternal. And as everyone reaches that point, you only hear the screams, but you don't know from whence or from whom they come. There's no company. There is just torment upon torment. Not because of a cause, but because of a lack of cause. See, heaven and hell are simply this, with God, without God. And when you completely remove God, you remove all the things that God is. All of the fruits of the Spirit are gone. And so literally when I described a vacuum to you, now, I don't believe that. If, if, if that's what's coming out of your heart right now, okay. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing you have to understand. You're believing it or not believing it doesn't change it. It changes you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If someone said to me, I, I don't believe that water is wet. And I actually had that argument with somebody one time because their argument was water is not in and of itself wet. Water makes other things wet, but it's not wet. Blah, blah, blah. That doesn't change anything for the water. But if you're going to jump in it, it changes everything for you. Because if you are prepared to be wet, then all of your nice things, all your phone, any, any, anything electronic that you might have on you, whether you say, I'm not going to get wet, and then you jump in, doesn't change anything, but your stuff's still going to be wet, your phone's still going to be ruined. You see what I'm saying? If you, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, it doesn't change the thing but it certainly changes you. And so this rich man says, well, here's what I want. It's so bad here that what I really want is for you to, for you to tell someone. And he says, there is no tell. I can't send him to you and you can't come to us. When there's an end, there's an end. And there is no changing after the fact. Folks, again, whether or not you believe this doesn't change the fact that it is. But it changes everything about you. Everything. And then he says, well, then send him to tell my brothers. Now, listen to me. Send him. I want to be clear. Like it, don't like it, think it's wonderful, I don't care. I want to be very clear. I do not believe, I do not believe that anyone, anyone goes to heaven and then returns. 
So there have been movies made. There have been books written. I, I don't believe that that is biblical. Okay? There is a chasm. You cannot go from there to here or here to there. Here is one of several biblical places that make those books and those movies and those stories, listen, about money. God love them. Maybe people got saved by them. Okay. As long as they believe in Jesus, okay. Biblically, they don't work. Hate me, don't hate me, fine. If you believe differently, fine. But from right here with the microphone on, I'm telling you, people don't go to heaven and then return. Okay? I mean, we all love Michael Landon, but, you know, Highway to Heaven, not, not, not true. They have Moses and the prophets. Here's what Jesus is saying. I made a way. I made a way for everyone on the planet to hear, see, or know that I am real. Okay? I made a way for everyone. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. For since the beginning of creation, God's visible and invisible qualities have been made known so that men are without excuse. Now, I don't, I have a theological explanation for that, and that's a whole nother sermon, all right? But I believe here that everyone has a chance to know of God and chooses to believe in the God of creation or not. Do they say a prayer? Well, they can't. Some people have never heard. Do they, but they have a chance to know. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Well, if you'll just send someone from heaven to earth, then they'll believe. If you'll just do a miracle, if you'll just make, if you'll just prove it to me, listen to me. If you'll just prove it to me requires zero faith. Do you understand? If you have the finality of proof, then it requires zero faith. And for it is by grace that you are saved through Faith, it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. He will walk you all the way to the edge of the chasm. He will, he will ask you to jump without seeing. Why? Faith. Salvation requires that much faith. And here's what God is saying. Even if I prove it, people who don't want it aren't going to take it. Listen to me again. Even if I gave you proof... People who do not want it are not going to take it. Either you're going to believe what Moses in the scripture said or you are not. The end. It happened to Jesus over and over again. Even the two men on the road to Emmaus. They, 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 Jesus is standing right next to them. They knew him. They'd heard of him. They'd walk with him. They'd talk with him. And now he's back with them and they don't see him. Why? At the end, he says, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus goes back to that. Either you buy in or you don't. There is no amount of proof that's going to change that. He said, I could do miracles all day long and there would still people who, be people who doubt. I died on the cross. I moved the stone. I came out and one of my disciples still said, can I stick my finger in them holes? 
They're back out fishing in a boat after he has appeared to them. And he comes back to the seashore. And he says, fellas. And they go, yeah. And he's like, we've been here before, but let's do it again. Because, you know, that's us. We're, we're dumb. That's why he calls us sheep, people. He says, did you catch any fish? This has happened before. No. Try the other side of the boat. Think about that for a minute. It's a huge lake. If there's no fish here, then there's no fish here. 153 fish. They realize who's on the shore. Peter, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I told this story to the students last week and I just don't get it. Most of us, we're going to remove some clothing before we get in the water, right? Down to your trunks, right? Or skinny dip, whatever. This guy puts all of his clothes back on, then jumps in. And then he starts swimming. There's a boat right behind him. James and John are like, <laughs> you need anything, Pete? Everything good up there? <laughs> 100 yards, they, they see swims, which is a lot. And they're just behind him in the boat like, hey, idiot. Didn't he jump out of a boat once before, a perfectly good boat, try to walk on the water? Peter's just, you know, hey, as a dog returns to his vomit. Listen, we make mistakes. But here's Jesus sitting on the shore, hilariously turning fish on the spit. So when they bring the fish to the shore, he's like, bring some fish to eat. But when they get there, he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm this good. And he asks the question that I'm going to ask you. Do you love me? Of course we do. Do you love me? Of course we do. Do you love me? But there's a small phrase left out. Do you love me more than these? I always grew up thinking that these were the disciples. Do you love me more than these guys sitting here? Had nothing to do with the disciples. If you go back and read the passage at the end of John, do you know what it was? It's the fish. It's the fish. He says... Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And so James and John says, we'll come fish with you. And they caught no fish. And Jesus says, did you catch any fish? This story says fish like 13 times in three paragraphs. And we miss it. What's the point? We all go running back to that which we know. We let our faith wane and wean away. And we turn back to what we know. The rich man to his materials. Us to our jobs, to our laborings, to our family, to our parenthood, to our spouse. We turn to things of this world that will pass away. They went back. They spent three years from Jesus. And then when he's gone, where'd they go? Back to what they knew. Jesus was about to change the world with 11 guys. Judas is dead. His entrails became his extrails. Okay, he's gone. But he's got he's to get them in and he's got to help them understand. There is me, and there is everything else. 
There is the kingdom of God, heaven, but Jesus says thy kingdom come. Jesus says obedience to God brings heaven to earth. You can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, right here. Now, the world's going to be faulty, but you can have it all now. And then it's just an extension when you get there. I'm just removing all the bad stuff after that. But the opposite of having it all and removing all the bad stuff is what? Having all the bad stuff and removing all of God. This is heaven and hell. And the difference is not rich and it is not poor. The difference is not black and it is not white. The difference is not Methodist and it is not Baptist. The difference is simple. God is my helper or he is not. The end. Why will you get into heaven? If the sentence starts with I, you've screwed it up already. Well, I... Well, I, even if you say, well, I accepted. No, he saved me. The end. He called me. The end. He died for me. The end. Buy it or not, when you jump in, you still get wet. And buy it or not, once your body is done, your soul lives on. And the question is, does it live on with God or separated from him for all eternity? That's why Jesus pulls back the curtain. That's why the rich man says, go get my brothers. I promise you this. Every soul, every soul that is in torment right now would cry out to every soul still living and say, don't do what I did. Every single one. Jesus pulls the curtain back far enough for us to see one. And he closes it again. So the question is, do you know Jesus or not? No hellfire and brimstone. If you know Jesus, you get life. If you don't know Jesus, you do not get life. If he has saved you, you get heaven. If you have denied him, you get hell. There's one more set of people and I'm finished. Tomorrow, there is a set of people who will say, tomorrow or who will say soon or who will say maybe here's what I have to say that means no not today well I didn't choose yes you did you chose today and as we all well know we're not promised tomorrow choose this day whom you will serve Let's pray. God, I know with all of my heart that there are wonderful, that there are ethical, that there are sweet, that there are talented people in this room 
and not because they're bad and not because they're broken and not because they're um, uh, evil, but because they've never said, I will trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that they will split hell wide open. And in my heart right now, for those people is the cry of Lazarus. God, please tell them, send your, and that we can ask for. Send your Holy Spirit to say, I'm calling you now, respond. My prayer is this, if you are in this room today and you do not know Jesus, that you will call me, that you will grab me, that you will shake my hand, that you will look in my eyes, that you will find somebody else and that you will say, show me how to have Jesus. Show me how to be sure. Show me how not to live in torment for all eternity without my wife, without my kids, without my spouse, without my church. Show me how not to do that today. I pray that in Jesus' name, that anyone who needs Jesus would find him today. And amen.